Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henry. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 19 will be our passage. Our message is entitled, Joy in Spite of. Joy in Spite of. Happiness, I don't know if you realize, I mean, it's part of our Bill of Rights, you know, the pursuit of happiness is a good thing. And there's nothing wrong with happiness as long as we understand its limitations. And unfortunately, you know, in America and in our culture and that sort of thing, we've made happiness the end of that which we pursue. You know, so when you ask people what they want out of life, they will say, I just want to be happy. Well, that's, that's not a bad thing. And ultimately, when we're in heaven, we will be happy forever because I think God is the most happy being there is. But happiness here, listen, comes from a word called happenstance. And so happiness is connected to our circumstance. That's, it's, it's a formation of those two words. And so happiness cannot be an end of what we pursue because happiness is very short-lived. As soon as our circumstance changes, our happiness evaporates. And so that's why people go from one thing to another. They go from one partner to another. They go from one marriage to another. They seek one high after another because they're just constantly chasing this ghost of happiness. And and listen, the next high is never as good as the first one. And they just keep chasing. I don't know if you've discovered yet in your walk with the Lord that I would rather be in pain and close to God and in intimacy with God than to be experiencing pleasure without Him. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Tough lesson. And so ultimately, joy is something deeper that we can experience now. Happiness isn't bad. You should embrace it, but understand it's It's not going to last, but enjoy it for the time that it is. Just don't make it the end of your life. But what we can have threaded throughout our life, what we can have as a constant in our life now is joy. And joy is just this steady, steadfast security in the goodness and sovereignty of God in our lives. And so I can have joy at any time, in any circumstance, because my God is good, and my God loves me, and my God is with me, and my God is for me, and nothing can separate him or separate me from his love, right? That's joy. My future's brighter because my king is coming for me. That's joy. Joy is something that transcends the material and exists because of the presence of God in our lives. Well, Philippians chapter 1, we're actually going to start in verse 18, and and then we'll work our way uh, through from verse uh, 12 and and 
through 19, but I want to set it up with verse 18. Verse 18 says this, the Apostle Paul says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, and I, what? Will rejoice. That is, you know, Paul's pretty emphatic about what his response will be in the midst of his circumstances. And he just emphatically states, listen, I'm going to rejoice. And then, you know, my, my, my second plan is I'm going to rejoice. I just want you to know my third plan is I'm going to rejoice. And he emphatically states it. And so, well, what circumstance, what setting is, is Paul speaking what he's saying to us here? Well, we need to understand that Paul is in prison. And he started out being in prison in Caesarea for two years under false trumped-up charges. He sat in prison, but he appealed to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen. And so they sent him off to Caesar. Well, Caesar was a guy by the name of Nero, and Nero was a wicked ruler. I mean, even the Roman Senate hated him. His, his own cronies hated him, and, and Nero hated God. He hated Christians. He killed Christians for sport. In fact, he used to light up the road up to his palace with human torches. That is, he literally burned Christians alive to, as street lamps to, to light the way to his palace. And so that's the guy that Paul's appealing to that's going to judge whether his judgments were or his ways were true and righteous. And so he gets shipped off from Caesarea to Rome, and, and on the way he's, he's shipwrecked, and then he's stranded on an island, and, and then he's bitten by a poisonous snake, and then ultimately when he finally arrives in Rome... He's thrown in prison again for two years, awaiting his appearing before Nero on death row. He was on uh, the execution row. He was waiting to be put to death. And listen, he was chained during that time to an imperial guard for 24 hours a day. Every four hours, they rotated in a different praetorian guard to be chained to Paul. He had absolutely no privacy whatsoever. No, no place to just collect his thoughts. No place to, to let down. And in the midst of all that, in spite of all that suffering, in spite of all those circumstances, Paul says, I will choose joy. Well, how in the world did he do that? I mean, I would love to be that cool. <laughs> well, he's going to give us two principles in the passage that we're going to take a look at today. So skip up to verse 12 and let's unpack this and let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and most importantly, to impart that kind of joy in our lives. Does anybody want that joy in their problems and their circumstances? Me too, man. I want to walk in that. So absolutely. Verse 12, it begins. 
I, I want you to know, brothers, that is, he, he's going to tell us. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, we just talked about that, I just gave you what he's been through, has really served to what? Advance the gospel. Now, that word advance is actually a Greek term that was a military term. And it referred to the army engineers that would be out in front of the military troops and that those armies of engineers, they would clear the path. You know, they would make roads and they would make bridges into new territory in order for the troops behind them to advance into those territories. And so what Paul is saying here is, listen, all these things that, that you would think thwarted God's purposes in my life, that you would think, listen, really blocked what God was doing and the gospel in and through me, listen, it actually did the opposite. It actually made a different way for the gospel to advance. That is ultimately Paul chooses to see the circumstances that he finds himself in through eyes of faith. And he says, listen, I can see the good in the worst of circumstances. I, I can choose to see the good in the worst of circumstances. I can see God moving even, listen, even when it doesn't go my way. And so here's the first key to joy. Fill this in your notes. We need to choose to see our circumstances through the lens of faith. People, we are people of faith. We view everything through the lens of faith. We filter everything through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We don't believe anything else unless God said it. If God said it, we believe it, we act on it. We choose to view everything through that lens of faith. Now, Paul, in the next few verses, is actually going to tell us two of the things that advanced, two of the things that God did through his chains, through what we would call very restrictive, impossible circumstances. You ever feel like, you know, how's God going to do this? How's God going to use me? I mean, I just feel like I'm constantly surrounded with impossible, restrictive circumstances. Anybody feel that way? So is Paul, and he says, listen, in my chains, in those impossible, restrictive circumstances, let me tell you what God did. Verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for who? Christ. That is, he says, you know, the first thing that happened is that unbelievers came to know Jesus because of my attitude and how I responded to my suffering. Because of how I chose to respond to my circumstances, other people are hearing about Jesus. Because of my faith, because, you know, of how I'm standing in the midst of the storm, how, how I am exuding 
joy in life when life says I should be shattered and broken. Because of that, people are going, wow, that's, that's different. <laughs> what has he got that I don't got? And because of that, I've been given the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And so listen, we are to do the same. We are to worship, and then we are to testify, listen, by the power of the Spirit. We are to testify of Jesus. So listen, so that people, they're, they're, if we respond to our circumstances, the way that Paul did to, to our impossible circumstances, to our suffering, to the things that we can't change, to the things that break us, shatter us, prevent us, knock us down, thwart us, whatever you want to put on the end there. If we respond with faith like Paul did, if we respond with trust like Paul did, people around us are going to ask, or they're going to think, they may not say it, but they're looking, and they're going to say, why aren't they angry? Why aren't they complaining? Why do they, why do they speak joy? Why, why do they speak hope? Why do they speak life? I don't get them. What do they have that I don't have? And listen, when that happens, you will step into that divine ordained moment by God for you to share Jesus with them. Listen, how we respond to our circumstances is often that bridge, that credibility to speak truth into somebody's life. Verse 13 again. So that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is what again? For Christ. It, this Christ is in this. That is, Paul is concerned about some of the Philippians back in Philippi, some of the believers. He's concerned about them. And what he wants them to know is that God's power and God's blessing is still on him, even though he's in prison. Well, why in the world is he worried about that? Well, what is the concern there? Well, listen, if you know your Bibles, the last time that Paul was with the Philippians, God was doing miraculous things. God was performing miracles all over the place. He, his power was demonstrated mightily through Paul, and it all culminated in a divine jailbreak in Acts chapter 16. And so some of the Philippian believers were going, uh, yo, Paul, what's, where's God? <laughs> what's up? Where's the power of God in, in this imprisonment, Paul? Where's God this time? And so listen, that goes back to what we talked about last week. Remember I said, we are totally dependent upon God's deliverance, and yet at the same time, secure in his sovereignty. Hear me, church. We are totally dependent upon God's deliverance. We believe it. We declare it. 
We ask for it. We are totally dependent upon God's deliverance. And yet at the same time, we are secure in God's sovereignty. And listen, Paul lived that out. And so the first time, God moved in a big way. Divine jailbreak. The next time, he left them in there. But here's what Paul did. I'm sure he asked for God to do it again. But when God didn't do it again, Paul's reaction was, I trust you, Lord. I am secure in your sovereignty. I choose to have faith. I choose to see you moving even in this impossible, broken circumstance. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand it. I'm confused. I'm in pain. But Lord, I trust you. And so listen, this is how we live, fellow believers. God will move in powerful ways in your life. And I pray for that all the time. And by God's grace and mercy, I've been able to experience that in my life. But in some similar moments, sometimes God chooses not to. And so just as powerfully, we need to exercise faith when he doesn't move, and we need to be secure in the sovereignty of our good God, that he has a good plan even on the other side of that, that he knows how to take something that is evil and make it good, that God will bring us through and we will see his goodness on the other side. Five of us believe that. That's good. I need to stir that up just a little more. Might revisit that later. Verse 14. I'm just teasing. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord. That, that is, listen, not self-confidence, not bravado. Confident in whom? The Lord. Yeah. I don't want any confidence in the flesh. Has God stripped you of your confidence in the flesh? That's a good thing. God has to break you to make you. God won't use a man. He won't use a woman until he breaks them in pieces because you're too prideful. You have too much confidence in your flesh. You're too much about you. We got to lay the flesh down and exalt Christ. Confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more what? Bold to speak the word without fear. So he says, my, the second thing about my attitude towards my problems, the effect of that has been, the, the advancement of the gospel has been, listen, everybody else around me has been inspired. Everybody else around me has been encouraged. And listen, they're more bold about sharing their faith. They're more bold about speaking the truth without fear. And listen, church, the devil is trying to fill your heart with fear right now. So you sit down and shut up. And I say to you, in the name of Jesus, stand up and proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the truth of Christ. It is time to stand. It is time to fight. Do not sit down and shut up. Stand up. Don't listen to him hissing in your ear. 
Courage is contagious. And so Paul is saying, man, I don't know. The Spirit's moving on everybody else. They're, they're taking the ball. I used to have the ball, but I don't know. The Holy Spirit passed the ball to them. They're running with it. There's a movement. They're sharing the gospel. I'm sitting here. I'm praying for them, but man, they're running with it. I always move my pages when I get excited. <laughs> Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and, and rivalry. That's a problem. But others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Now, ambition itself is not necessarily wrong. Listen, there is nothing wrong with the part of you, the way that God made you, the part of you that wants to be the very best you can be for God. Nothing wrong with that. You hear me on that? Nothing wrong with pursuing excellence. Nothing wrong with trying to take the gifts and talents that God has given you, wanting to be the very best you can be to his glory. That's a good, good thing. Selfish ambition, though, if you want to kind of, you know, analyze your heart, you know, examine yourself. Selfish ambition is most concerned about your image of success before men. So you're not really concerned about all your motives as much. You may take some shortcuts. All you really care about is what your image is before other people. Whereas godly ambition, listen, looks for true success before God. That's a total different evaluation, you understand, because God sees everything. So big, big difference to whom you're looking to, to whom you're trying to please. Verse 17. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. That is, Paul says, listen, not only am I in prison, not, not only am I battling my own fear, my own confusion, not only am I, you know, chained to this guard 24 hours a day, not only have I had four years of just getting beat up, listen, my buddies on the outside are criticizing my ministry. They're, they're stabbing me in the back. They're saying God's not with Paul. That's why he's in prison, trying to elevate their ministry by putting me down. Thank you very much. Verse 18. What then? Only that in every way. This is his response to that. Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And so he, he doesn't really concern himself with judging them or getting them back. He's just releasing that to God, saying, man, if they're preaching Christ, that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm good with it. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. That is ultimately, Paul is saying, I'm not going to let my critics or my circumstances steal my joy. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm I'm going to choose joy because my confidence, my security is attached to my relationship with God. I trust him. I trust him to set the record straight. 
I trust him to be good to me. I trust him to use me the way that he wants me to in whatever circumstance I find myself in. And my critics can't thwart that, and my circumstances can't thwart that. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. That's a daily thing, by the way. (laughs) Verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my, what? Deliverance. Ultimately, Paul says, you know, there's two things that give me strength in the midst of my suffering. Two things that give me strength in my trials that just, you know, help me keep going in the midst of my fear. In the midst of, I I don't know what God's doing fully here. I mean, Paul's heart was, listen, he wanted to go to the Colosseum and and have a crusade. That's what he thought was going to happen. He's in jail. The thing that gives me strength, the thing that keeps me going, the thing that, that helps me to keep my eyes on Jesus, even as I face death, is, listen, the prayers of other people, prayers of the saints, the beautiful prayers of the saints, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, listen, church, this is how we make it right now. This is how we make it right now in the circumstances that we find ourselves in, because we are not in ideal circumstances in these days, right? At least not that we're used to. All of us have individual struggles, our nation has struggles, our world has struggles, and it's all happening at once. And so how do we walk victoriously now? Listen, hear me, church. We pray for one another. I am dead serious about this. Take it seriously. We must be in prayer for one another. We pray for one another, and we walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how we will be victorious right now, today, this week. We pray for one another this week, and we walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is, listen, the Christian life is a supernatural life. You can't live it by yourself. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, of God himself. You can't produce it. You can't go, joy. (laughs) Joy comes as we're filled by the Spirit. Well, how do you fill yourself with the Spirit? Well, first, you have to invite Him into your heart. You need to be baptized by Him. But then, filled simply means I'm surrendering to the Holy Spirit today. We, We do this daily and as many times during the day as you need. I'm surrendering my mind. I'm surrendering my body, my heart, my tongue. Holy Spirit, take over everything. Empower me to do the will of God. Empower me. Help me to think your thoughts. Lead me. 
guide me, help me to, to speak into whoever's life, help, help me to pray as you want me to pray. Lord, Lord, just lead me today, be with me today, help me to fight temptation today. Lord, give me the grace, give me the wisdom. You're, you're filling yourself with the Holy Spirit. Then once you do that, then you resolve with your mind. That's what Paul did. Then you resolve with your mind, I will choose joy based on faith in the Word of God that says, I now have the divine power in order to make that choice. Because the Bible says, by His divine power, He has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen, I can choose joy based on faith and what God has said is now true of me. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. By, by God, I have the same power in me that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And so I can resolve with my mind that I can choose joy, not in my own power, but in the power of Christ. And so listen, that plays out into every area of our lives. Did you know that the power of God manifested in us is God's plan? Do you know what Satan's really good at? Disconnecting the power switch. But we're supposed to be plugged in. A lot of us are lights, but our cords unplugged. And it's unplugged because of lies. It's unplugged because of fear. It's unplugged because we love the world or we want to please people or we're full of pride. It can be unplugged for many reasons. But listen, the power of God manifested in and through us is God's plan. Part of the reason he came to die was to redeem us and to forgive us of sins. But listen, it was also to include us in his plan and to use us for eternity and to have our lives echo into eternity, for, to have our lives matter for eternity. And listen, if you're bored, it's because you don't understand who you are and you're not living for what God created you to live for. Listen, we are to make a difference for Jesus in everyone around us that we can. That doesn't mean we all have to have a stage. That doesn't mean I have to have a big ministry. That doesn't mean the band has to cut a CD. All that nonsense. It just means we got to reach the people that God puts in our path with Jesus. And so I challenge us, and I, myself included, church, I challenge us, listen, let's, let's worship him. We're going to do that in a minute as we close. And then as we go out this week, let's, let's testify of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. And let's seize our divine moment until he returns. And I don't mind telling you, he's coming soon. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.